0: Hello and welcome to Broadcast with me, Lee Durant. In today's episode, we're speaking to Andrew Hart. Uh, Andrew is uh, number 202 on the planet for certified technical architect. And um, actually, his, um, his story is really interesting in that he's um, he, he got to become a certified technical architect in about two years, two and a half years, from, from not knowing much about Salesforce to being a CTA. Uh, unbelievable story. Uh, Also, he ended up working at Salesforce um, and part of his role there was being on the panel for uh, aspiring technical architects. So that's quite an interesting story. So this is his career uh, conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So Andrew Hart, hello. nice. uh, Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. How, How are things going? Uh, yeah,
1: thanks Lee, uh, things going well, thank you, busy uh, as ever with, yes. uh, with work and, and family
0: and everything else that we have in our lives, but, uh, but well, healthy. Good, that's, that's good in this, this current time, so I um, ordinarily I would go on about, yeah, give a little intro for you, but why, why don't you do it yourself, T- tell everybody essentially I suppose what you're doing now and then we can rewind time and go back to the beginning if that's okay. Yeah, of course.
1: So I uh, am Andrew Hart. I'm a Salesforce certified technical architect. I'm the lead technical architect for the Accenture Salesforce group in the UK. Um, I I always describe my role as having three pillars. Really, a bit of pre-sales, so using the the CTA cert to get in front of customers quite often, mm. um, helping shape and and sell sell projects, mm. delivery. So helping to Deliver the projects and in my case that's usually around delivery assurance or or high-level support or engagement at the the sort of technical executive level and the final bit is um, team development so looking after uh, Those who I consider you know in my care uh, and that's that's the technical team for the most part So looking out um, from from hiring upwards really training uh, and enablement support when they're on projects and, and just general uh, set of ears and, and a brain if they need it and, and feel that my brain can help
0: them uh, on their projects. So there's, a lot, there's a lot to what you're doing, obviously, and it's been a, it's been a wild ride, I, I think, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, go back to the beginning. When I say the beginning, I kind of <laughs> mean slightly before Salesforce, because um, again, please tell me if I'm mistaken here, but is it fair to say that you're you, know, you your background didn't necessarily lend to being what people would associate with a cta a sort of a, a technical architect is that, am i right with that um well I, I mean i've been a consultant my whole more or less my
1: whole working life mm-hmm. um and I think as a consultant, you play a number of different roles, project to project, customer to customer. I've never been, you know, I'm not a classic TA path in the, if you think computer science degree, software Mm -hmm. engineering, you know, product development uh, type background, but I've always been technically leaning, Um, but I very much feel that technology is an enabler for solving problems, right? It should be business led and that starts with conversations. So I've always approached my role uh, in, in that, that way. I encourage you know tas that I work with to to work in that way as well it's you know we are never in the consultancy space anyway we 're never just building a an, an academic technical solution it 's always solving um, business problems and you know, it can't be led by technology. And Salesforce, you see this in their go-to-market as well. It's all about business benefits and, and uh, uh, KPIs in, in either service or sales or whatever other clouds they're, they're pitching. It's never just about, look at this cool tech. It's always about, mm-hmm. look at these problems it can solve. And and, and I've approached my career that way um, and, and I actually acted on some advice I was given maybe 15 years ago from a manager I had at the time at an Oracle, which was uh, – you know, we can offshore development, we can offshore testing, we can offshore a lot of things. We'll never offshore someone looking in the customer's eyes and, and asking what their problems are. You know, there, there always needs to be someone to have those conversations. And, and uh, I, wouldn't say I, it, I wouldn't say that radically changed how I approached my, my job, but it's always been at the back of my mind that uh, a lot of skills can be outsourced or, or sent elsewhere. But, but someone in the room to, to really understand a customer is always going to be needed.
0: That leads me, actually, to what I was going to say because you, you, uh, your pathway to Salesforce Mm. for this podcast, anyway, at this stage, this podcast is a little different to everyone else's, I think, because you were at Oracle for quite a long time, nearly 10 years, weren't you?
1: Yeah, and actually, I was a a Siebel guy for a few years before that as well. Um, Yeah, when when you asked me about this, I did say to you, well, I haven't been... you know, working with Salesforce ten years yet, but
0: um, well, yeah, we'll let you off that one because because your your rise to where you've got to is is really interesting, isn't it? Because so yeah, sorry, ten years, at, nearly ten years at Oracle. So what? Yeah, what, what so I, I,
1: Well, no, I I mean I I went to Siebel as it was. Um, I'd been a I was Siebel trained, and I'd been working for small consultancies, and I went to Siebel, which was the CRM mothership at yeah at the time. Um, shortly before, about a year before that, Siebel got uh, acquired by Oracle, um, which, to be honest, was a fairly uh, easy transition for us at uh, at Siebel. I think it was more difficult for the Oracle CRM people when uh, mm-hmm. when Siebel arrived. And you know that was where I, I cut my teeth on in, in terms of working for a big consultancy, for doing big projects um, for te- technology as well to a certain extent. Um, but it was certainly where I. In, in those nine years um, building on the, the few years I'd had before working with C that I you know moved up moved up levels and, uh, and by the time I left there I was at the advisory architect level really so um, Oracle had quite a similar model to to what Salesforce has in that whilst they do some some projects themselves they actually were, were more comfortable putting architects into key customers mm. And I made the move to Salesforce. to be honest I probably stayed at Oracle a little bit too long for my career okay. um, but I was enjoying I was enjoying the work and, and if, if I'm totally honest with myself I was very comfortable there um, yeah. in, in every regard and and I thought about leaving a few times and never quite quite pulled the trigger um, by the time I did um, I got into Southforce yeah, as I say nearly seven years ago so not Early, early, I know you've had people on this, this series who have been around for, uh, in the Salesforce space for much longer than I have, but I feel I got in at a good time and I got to go straight to Salesforce. So I, you know, I got to learn the, the, uh, the product very closely with the, the people who knew at the best at that time.
0: And, and obviously, uh, just going back a little bit, so what, after you mentioned being very comfortable and uh, thinking about leaving but never quite making the, the leap, what was it then that, that ha- what happened? Were you, were you headhunted? Because obviously there's a connection between Oracle you know salesforce is born out of oracle if i'm not mistaken mm. so yeah was that an obvious move to make what what made you then go genomic you know, about switching considering all your career been on that other see C- you know Siebel C- well and oracle it was mm. a big, big decision to make wasn't it i guess it
1: it was but salesforce was as you say had grown out of, of Siebel in some ways and there was a lot of similarities in 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 terms of how the the salesforce clouds were structured and how the Siebel product had been made. Siebel had never really made the move to the cloud. It had been a, you know, an ambition uh, for for a while, and Salesforce was there already. And mm. I, I think even seven years ago, it was still very much an evolving uh, product, and it was certainly nowhere um, compared to where it is today. But it was still this fully cloud-based, zero footprint. Um, Uh, products that was going to be the next next phase and I think we all recognized that Siebel was on the the downslope and there were quite a few people who made the move from from working with Siebel to working with Salesforce. Mm. For me it was just it was the right time for a number of factors Um, you know the the projects I was getting uh, the interest that I had in the platform uh, at that point that I felt I'd probably hit a bit of a career dead end or I wasn't uh, seeing the right prospects at Oracle, and that's, that's not an indictment of Oracle, that's more an indictment of myself. Um, but yeah, a number of things just came together, and I was headhunted, actually, um, directly from from Salesforce, who have uh, in-house recruiters. Very flattering, I imagine, yes. That's, that's brilliant. Oh, everyone loves being headhunted, yeah. <laughs> it, it is flattering, and, we, and we, we try and make out it's an inconvenience, and sometimes it can be, but it's... Incredibly flattering
0: to be approached for for any roles, yeah. Yeah, of course. I, well, I imagine so. I'm skipping on a bit now. But I imagine you get you get it a lot now as well. But uh, um, I, I guess that's a, that's a conversation for in a minute. So, so, so Salesforce in 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 the wrong way, but in a relatively short period of time then at Salesforce because you are only there sort of three three and a half years. Mm. Going on your LinkedIn here, um, what what was the first project you did, or what was the first you know bit of bit of work you did then on Salesforce? my first project was a
1: service cloud implementation at a uh, a global pharmaceutical company um actually one i'd worked at before um in the siebel in the siebel years uh-huh. and one i've worked at again since in the salesforce years um they're they're a big customer lots of uh, lots of salesforce instances lots of projects going on um and i joined a team that was mostly in flight it was coming towards the end if if i'm honest um, but I got to get hands-on with some Visual Force, some Apex. I got to do a lot of clicking as well, um, and and ultimately help the the project through the test phase and, and get it live. And yeah, it was it was good. And actually, it was at that point I'd done a lot of transition from Siebel to Salesforce. So learning the terminology differences, learning how Salesforce did things that I might have recognised from from the Siebel platform. Uh, But then I started finding the new things and I remember once I was uh, quite early on I was just trying to think there must be a way that I can limit some behavior in in uh, In visual force based on the user that's viewing the page and it just led me down a documentation wormhole, but I discovered there were um, You know this had been thought about before me by the the Salesforce engineers this had been built in and I could use uh, specific piece of um, uh, the platform to to do that, and and I remember being quite not enlightened, but pleasantly surprised that there was going to be this amount of freedom with the platform and this amount of kind of magic baked in that you I'd be able to make use of to to solve problems. So yeah, I mean, it was it was as I say not eye opening, but it was uh, made me feel I'd made the right decision, sort of validated that
0: yeah this was the right technology for me. Do you do you mean that in in, in the in the case of the 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 ecosystem at Salesforce being slightly uh, more collaborative than the Siebel uh, Oracle one. Yeah, I think so. Um,
1: I mean, even seven years ago, there was—I the, mean, there was no Trailhead, and the the hmm. success community wasn't as as vast as it is today. But there was still people talking about what they had done. There were a lot of blogs. There were the beginnings of you know what we now recognize as all the learning and and documentation. Um, and actually, to Salesforce's credit, the documentation has always been always been very good. So once you know what you're looking for, you can generally find out what you need to find out it's just getting pointed in the right direction as which was the case here um so yeah it 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 was definitely more open than than uh the, the Siebel years had been at the end. So if I go back to when I first started Siebel, um, and this is going back like nearly 20 years, mm-hmm. the support forums used to be completely open and, and people could raise tickets with uh, with Siebel and then other customers could just reply to them. And, and they they actually shut that down, I think, 2001, 2002-ish. But it kind of reminded me of that a bit, that there was this culture of openness and transparency and, and enablement as well. You know, you, No one ever says that, you know, there's not enough information or examples or um, war stories <clears> or whatever <throat> yeah. it might be in the Salesforce space. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of documentation and, and the materials you can access
0: like you say it's just having, having someone to tell you where to look I mean I, I was uh, going to ask you to be fair because your name has come up I think once or twice in, in the short amount of time we've been doing these podcasts as a as a mentor for the people we're speaking to bearing in mind we're speaking to some some pretty heavy people in this space uh, <coughs> did you yourself have, have anybody you don't have to name them but it would be nice to know if you had someone as a mentor that, that uh, helped you through guided you through those first few years or projects at Salesforce um, at Salesforce
1: um, I wouldn't say there was any individual specific individual but you know, there's a great community of this. I was a program architect, and uh, there were other program architects who, and it was a good little community. Um, we tried to have monthly meetups. Um, we maybe managed, you know, eight of those a year where we would learn about each other's projects or, or problems or new technologies or whatever. So it was it was community-enabled, I, I guess. Um, but I wouldn't probably pick out any single one of them. I think there were different people I, I went to for different uh, <laughs> different problems. Mm. Um and that was true of when I went, you know, as I was ramping up to my CTA, uh, and what I tell people now. And sorry, you're probably going to ask me about this in a minute, but just say, seg- seg- going in is, you know, the CTA is made up of multiple domains, and w- we all know the pyramid, and there's, you know, individual certs that point to each of those domains. And some people are better at some domains than they are at others, and um, some people are real, true, deep-level subject matter experts in identity, just to just to pick one. And you need to learn from, you know, a breadth of people. Uh, but, um, I think going further back in my career i there was a actually he was my my manager for many years at Oracle um, just you know through multiple restructurings I, I seemed to hang on to Scott um, and I you know always got good advice from him um, i don 't think i 'm a needy employee, but whenever I did ring him up, you know he would answer and we could have a, an honest conversation or I could vent or or, or just outlame you know whatever my frustrations were yeah. um, and he was al- he was always there so he was a he was a good sounding board and, and helped uh, help me through the Siebel years certainly.
0: Did he was he still there when you left to go to Salesforce that- he
1: was yeah he I think he is still at Oracle I think he's um I Can't remember his exact role now, but something in the in the Oracle Cloud space. But he's he's still about, yeah. And I I I do I haven't touched base with him for a while actually, but I, I see him on Facebook and, and LinkedIn,
0: et cetera. Yeah, cool. Okay. Um. Okay. So you touched on it. We may as well talk about it now, if you want. Um. I don't know if people listening will know. They might look at your profile and see it. But when you were at Salesforce, um, hmm. you were part of the CTA panel. Is that right? Yeah. Well. Yes, I was. I only sat on one uh,
1: week of panels um, when I was there. And since I've left Salesforce, that unfortunately hasn't been an option, although it may be again in in the future um, that Salesforce will have partners play uh, the roles of judges on the panel. But yeah, I sat a week. I was in North America, actually. Um, Flew out there for the week and sat, I think we sat eight maybe uh, candidates come in and present. Wow. Okay. Do you know how many of those eight became CTOs? Uh, I, I do. From that week, it was uh, it was none that week. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> one one candidate was very close and did actually pass his section retake a few months later. But uh, um, it was yeah. I mean, I knew. It, I mean, I I'd been through it twice mm-hmm. actually to pass. So I knew I was aware it was a tough uh, tough environment. It was quite interesting for me because um, I was working with a couple of uh, judges from um, from the East Coast from New York. And, and we all, you know, you're all looking for different things and that's, that's why you have a panel of judges, a triumvirate that they will have strengths and weaknesses. They will take slightly different angles on the problems. They will have different ideas on the the most optimal solution, but it was quite interesting to be in that space and see their line of questionings and and sort of get used to what they would look for. Um, and And I always say, you know, when I do mocks with, with people, when I sit and actually judge for real, um, I, I always learn something, you know, be it something about the individual, but more more often something about the technology um, or a way to solve a problem that I might n- not have thought of immediately or I might have disregarded for, for reasons that somebody else doesn't mention. So it was it was a good week. Um, it's a tough week. I mean, it's a tough job judging the, uh, the CTA. Um, don't get me wrong, it's pretty tough taking it as well, but, you oh, know, it's really? not easy. It's not easy for the judges. There's a lot of work that goes in before you enter the room and there's an awful lot of work that goes in once the candidate has, has left the room in terms of the scoring, the moderation, the discussions and, and, and ultimately the final
0: grading. And you said yourself you've, you've been through it twice and hmm. um, for people um, that, again, might not know, you're number 200 and,
1: oh, I Two. 202,
0: 202 on yeah. the planet. Yeah. Um, oh. I, it, it Dreamforce last
1: year we got told there were 300... And two i think um, oh. at that point um but yeah i was number number 202 i actually didn't know that until we had the first cta summit i, I knew i was about at the 200s but we had the first cta summit back in uh, 2018 the day before dreamforce um and we were all given a bag of goodies, pens, stickers, <laughs> a T-shirt, etc. But they weren't names; they were just uh, laid out in numbers, and you had to go and find your number by talking to people who you knew had passed before or after you, et etc. So it was uh, it was a good little uh, networking exercise. But I also got to know what my number was, and you know, and we should take pride in those numbers, right? And so Absolutely. there are some certifications. Um, I mean, the CTA, most notably in the Salesforce space. But if you look at Cisco engineers, for instance, they list their number and they're very proud of their their number yeah. of their. Uh, if they're certified in that space.
0: So the CCIEs, yeah, but it gets a point where they, they, you know, there's so many of them, it became yeah. a bit watered down, didn't it, in the Cisco space? Or, or, or um, I of, think the uh,
1: network engineers are, are still, you know, still uh, um, held in a, with a certain level of prestige, but I know they list their numbers, which was, I, I guess, the point. And, um, you know, and we should be proud of, of that as well. And there are people yeah. who are, um i can't remember if you've spoken to some of them actually you know who passed in the first 10 or first 50 who were the real trailblazers in in the space um and it's right that they're recognized for that you know i'm proud of proud that i passed it um and i'm proud of my number and I'm, I'm proud of those i've helped come afterwards but yeah yeah you know I, I i don't see an issue with taking some pride in in having passed it
0: of course absolutely and you should be proud of it and um do you, do you th- this is a, a bit of a, a strange question, but is it fair to say that, that people have to do it twice? I've heard this somewhere before and it could be lost. It, but d- does anyone ever pass it first time? Uh, yeah, they do. Um, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think all the best people pass it <laughs> second time. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah.
1: Seriously, I, I think, I've, and I know of at least two people who, uh, who went in, knocked it out of the park, walked out of the room knowing they'd passed um, and, you know, had, absolutely zero doubt that when the email come in they they were going to have passed um and they are special you know individuals they are super bright um super talented super technical but also um have the right approach to sort of studying and um ultimately passing an exam it's an exam to be passed right? But mm. ultimately learning you know the methods and, and the ways uh, to do it but that is very rare that somebody comes out and you know Puts their fist in the air and says, "Yep, I've, I've got that. Just got to wait for the email."
0: God, yeah, okay. Um, well, I, we got there probably quicker than we need to in terms of <clears throat> uh, that that side of things. But it, it's something I'll probably keep coming back to because there is a question later on about certifications and stuff. But let's go <laughs> back to let's go back to wh- where you ended up. You know wh- what what the, the choices you've made, I guess, to, to be where you are now. Because um, you you were at Salesforce for three three years or so and a bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then, then you've made the move, um, to the consultancy side of things. So what, what was the decision? What was that decision based on?
1: Um, so that decision was based on, so at Salesforce, I was doing advisory, um, services again. So I was an advisory architect and that is what I had been doing at Oracle for my, my final few years there. And I was just ready for the, the change. Um, I'd been working on individual projects, and I wanted to take the next step up in my career, which was towards leadership or, or management, if you, if you prefer, mm. but to actually help to start develop the the next set of, of architects. And people have been very kind. I've listened to a lot of your, uh, a lot of the podcasts and a couple of people or in those and elsewhere say that I have helped them and, I, and I'm pleased that that's the case. But, um, you know, I felt at that point that was something I wanted to do, which was uh, build something and be able to look back and say, you know, I, I helped those people or I helped that business or, or whatever it might be beyond a project uh, level. Ooh, so, I mean, and, surely, sorry, could, you, could you not have done that at Salesforce? You would have thought that would be the best place to do it. I could have done, and I really liked my time at Salesforce. And I, I think if you really, um, you know, want to learn a, a A company and a and a technology, then you can't be working Mm -hmm. for for that vendor. Um, I I, you know honestly believe that. But um, ah, you know, it it sounds a bit odd, but I I never really felt like I belonged at at Salesforce. And I've said that to other people, and they they don't really understand because it is such a great place to work, and it and it really is a great great place to work. Mm. But I always felt like I had only one foot in the in the company, Um, and. When I got my CTA, and the CTA does open doors for you at customers or, or new employers or you know, potential employers, yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to have a look around and just, just see what's about. And there would definitely have been a career for me uh, at, at Salesforce, and, and I've seen that with um, you know, my, my colleagues and my peers who are, are all doing very well who are still there, and, and the way the company's restructured over the last few years. But I also had a feeling that, that actually I really like delivery, and Salesforce is a fantastic technology company, and they're they're a sales and marketing machine. But in terms of delivery, that was still happening um, at the partners, at the GSI's in particular. Yeah. Um, but for the for the global transformational projects, there's plenty of boutique and, and smaller consultancies um, that are doing excellent work in the delivery space. Uh, but you know, for me, I wanted to see okay, what do these these big projects look like?
0: yeah okay that's cool so, and then so you now have the experience uh, of of being at, at the mothership and uh, for a partner for for, for two, two very big partners um, so what is it what's the sort of difference then other than the opposite thing you said about the delivery rather than a advisory but yeah yeah um well my first role when I left salesforce and i went to uh, went to Blue Wolf, which was
1: actually in the process of getting uh, acquired by IBM was to help grow out the architects team so there were only a few um, there were only a few architects. There was good um, delivery experience within the company, and and it was well regarded. But mm-hmm. certainly in the UK, we needed to help build out the the sort of senior delivery capability. And by that, it's the solution architects, the technical architects, mm-hmm. um, the two roles that I always think of as the creative heart of a project. So mm-hmm. you know, they are the ones that bring the solution together and ultimately make it work for to to the customer's vision. But I got to play a part in, uh, in hiring, in um, recruitment strategy, in training and enablement and kind of made big leaps in the, the time I was there uh, in, in terms of my personal development, but also my view of, of you know, my commercial awareness, my view of the market and a whole, a whole lot of other skills that I kind of hadn't gone in there looking to learn,
0: but, uh, but that came to me. And you, you, you sort of um, looks like you were, you know, an architect academy. I see here, so coaching architects and and growing it from to quite a few people. You you grew it from five to twenty five. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, no, and it was it was great. And <clears throat> but even that approach. So I mean, the, we couldn't just go out and hire twenty five experienced Salesforce architects. So it was about, well, Okay, what? Who are the right people? What are the types of people that we we want to approach that we want to speak to? Um, and and actually, if you think about what comes. Um, kind of what makes a good architect so it's a it's technology experience ideally it's customer facing experience and as well but actually of those things the technology is the easiest bit to learn right so if you can find an experienced consultant and they have a technology base from Siebel or SAP or, or, or whatever to be honest it doesn't doesn't really matter but they know going back to my earlier point they know how to talk to a customer how to get into into the issues how to conduct themselves on uh, on customer site and and ultimately how to use the technology in the right way, then um, you know those make good good candidates and I you know I had a pretty good success rate at, at hiring people not not all of them were new to salesforce but you know hiring a broad spectrum of people who who ultimately grew into a, a good team <clears throat> that y- yeah i was I was again proud to to look back and say, you yeah, know this is these are the people I've hired and and they're doing great work and a lot of them I mean, it's not that long ago, but a lot of them have moved on to to other roles now and are, are continuing to develop or are very successful at the companies they've gone to.
0: That's a quite a nice feeling, to be fair, to see all these people out there that, that are having these fantastic careers and it's uh, with, with your help.
1: Yeah, it is. And, I, you know, I'm not one to take a lot of credit for those, it's just not in my, my nature, but because I, I always feel that, management leadership is all, is all about connecting the dots right so mm-hmm. if you can just connect the dots to get somebody onto the right project that's going to be good for them and, and vice versa or you can just suggest to somebody they go down a certain learning path uh, and they are successful from that it's still self-led they're the one that's done that they're the one that's put that work in and, and they deserve the praise um but behind the scenes if you like you know i've and. Um, Pleased if if a move that I have made or a suggestion that I've hinted at or
0: whatever it is has has led to somebody's success. And I suppose, as you were just saying, uh, you're you're a good example of that with, with your, you know your experience at Siebel Oracle. Obviously. You- at that point, didn't know about Salesforce, but they they looked beyond that and realised that you were this very 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 good architect and, and consultant and and as you just said, which is a quote I will use. You know, the, the easiest thing to learn is the tech. Like so many times when you know when we've recruited over the years, and even to this now they, they want to see this they want to see the sounds certifications and and, and all, mm. you know, all this stuff they sometimes overlook someone that could be amazing if given the right chance um still feel that that sometimes happens unfortunately so um it's quite refreshing to hear you say that you you look beyond that sometimes
1: yeah no i definitely look beyond that and i <clears throat> actually it puts me in, it reminds me of something that happened at that time so when i was looking to leave um see why well, i spoke to a number of companies and i won't name them but one company i spoke to they were interested but they felt they'd couldn't spend the time to to ramp me up on on the salesforce technology and, and it's fine it, it panned out i went elsewhere but hmm. when i got my cta which was less than two and a half years later i remember thinking that uh you know I'd, i firstly i'd made the right move because i had got to that that place but i also remember thinking that they they missed a trick there oh, um, big just time. by yeah just missing out on what was basically what three month ramp up to You know, do learn some Salesforce, get the first couple of certs, and then go in. And you know, someone once said to me, and this is you know ages ago, consultancy is odd because you only need to know one page more than the customer, and that (laughs) it's a little bit a little bit blase, and it's a little bit true as well. Okay, you know, just by walking in and and having a rate card attached to you, the customer will look to you to be the you know the expertise yeah and sometimes you won't have that expertise you will know a tiny bit more or you'll know where to look or you'll know who to ask and that's that's all you need so that you know that short amount of ramp up um was time well invested for salesforce and you know yes i'm not still at salesforce but salesforce doesn't hesitate to invest in the ecosystem which is kind of ultimately what they did with me um you know mm-hmm. and i'm have been helping to grow that, uh, grow the skills base and, and the people within the
0: ecosystem since I left there. Exactly. So, so Siebel, Oracle, and the unnamed companies loss so has definitely been Salesforce and the Salesforce the ecosystem's gain, isn't it? Because of what you've done yeah. since then. Did you yeah. just say? just to rewind a bit. Did you just say that you two, from two two and a half years to so from not knowing Salesforce two and a half years later you were a certified technical architect? Uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was about that. Um, Jesus, you might be a little. Is that a it you know, no,
1: nowhere near. Honestly, nowhere it, near. Someone's <laughs> done that quicker. Um, I, I know of one person, and this was one of the two I mentioned earlier, who you know knew they'd passed the panel, who I think went from zero to CTA in about eight months. Um, and that's, I mean, that zero isn't really a zero. Right? That's no, uh, yeah. With, you know, that's, yes. a, a lot of consultancy and technology background, but in terms of learning the platform, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I joined, I joined Celsius. We were given an eight-week ramp, so we had no chargeability target. All we had to do was. Um well, we had to go to boot camp. We had to sort of do a lot of internal admin and what have you. But it was mostly just to train. Um, this was pre-trial head, but there was still plenty of materials around. Um, and there were five certs we were expected to get in the first six months. And actually, we couldn't come off to probation until you got those those five mm. certs. Um, but admin, for instance, I think I got in my second week. Um, developer I got at the end of the first month. And that there were people doing it quicker than that, you know, just coming in and... and uh, booking admin in for like friday of week one and, and just you know nailing the nailing the training and, and getting on with it mm. um, and that was i it's it's probably changed since since then but you know that was how it was um, for people coming into Salesforce in, in the uh, the customer success space which was okay you know you've got this this ramp period use it use it wisely because after that you'll be out on projects you'll be delivering success to customers but um, you know and, and you'll look back fondly at these these eight weeks where you actually had nothing to do other than just learn and uh, and network uh yeah that was just what was expected and um you know at the end of that eight weeks for me i did not have the cta in mind as as a target it was kind of off in the distance and the gap between uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like it is now where there's the the well-documented and, and well-guided certification journey towards yeah. uh, the CTA. My CTA was my sixth cert that I got. Um, oh, the gap between, you know, advanced admin, oh, no, I think it might have been sales cloud and service cloud I got, fourth and fifth. Um, and then my next one was was CTA. And that was just all there was at the time. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, and there was a lot of, again, there was a lot of, internal materials around the domains, materials that ultimately turned into the, um, the domain level architect certifications that exist now, mm. but it was you know, all done very differently. It was much more self-paced and, and there was a lot more discretion as to what you could uh, look at uh, and how you could learn these things. And there was a lot of just peer produced documentation rather than sort of training plans and, and trailheads, et etc. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a, a rapid, Rise, I guess, but uh, many people have done it quicker than uh, than me. As I, I say,
0: well, I bet out of the two hundred and two that you've got to be, yeah, it'd be interesting. To, I'm sure they don't do it, but it would be interesting to see. I uh, bet uh, you're down the lower numbers in terms of speed. Two and a half years, crikey, that's still very good, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, it's very good, and and uh, you know, not to be.
1: What's the word? I don't know. Not to be too intellectual about this, but you know, I, I, I'm not interested in comparing myself to the others. Um, I, I get what you're saying, um, but you yeah. know, I'm pleased with my journey. And, and as I said earlier, I think the zero, as in being new to Salesforce, does vary for everyone as well. I had a lot of CRM experience at that point. I had 14 years of CRM experience. So yeah. it wasn't like a lot of the concepts were, were new to me. It was about learning how Salesforce did things. Um, and if you think about you know, on the system architect side of the uh, the architect pyramid that Salesforce use, you know, integrations, identity, um, dev lifecycle, th- those are not concepts unique to Salesforce by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, they're all industry standards and best practice, and i would seen a lot of those before. So, you know, I was able to move quite quickly. Um, and I, yeah, and yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, be a bit negative about you, you ranking me there, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm pleased with the pace that that I
0: made. Um, it, it, you, uh, it's, it's just the way it is these days as well isn't it you look at Trailhead I can't remember the link and I, I'll try and uh, share it afterwards but the, you can go on the Trailhead sort of um, website and, and, mm. it, and people there is just this league table isn't there of people that have got the most Trailhead badges or most certifications and uh, it's it, it obviously changed a lot in in since you left Salesforce in that you can go on that and it's, it's, you know, you refresh it and someone jumps up a space because they've just got another badge or something. It's, uh, so, so, <laughs> yeah. so either, though you don't look at it that way, a lot of other people will look at it that way. Um, and, and, yeah, and I know Salesforce look at it as well in, in terms of the certs and
1: the badges for how they value the partners. Um, yeah, and that's, yeah, it, it is a reality um, that, you know, certs play a part in uh, in positioning
0: individuals and, and also companies uh, in the broader sense. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is uh, uh, obviously for people listening to this that perhaps want to follow in your footsteps or, or, or nearabouts, um, the whole certification versus experience kind of debate, it's, it's amazing how often we still get asked it and um, there's never, never a direct answer for, from our point of view, but what's your take on having recruited people and having obviously you know, looked for jobs yourself? Yeah. How do you see that whole, you know, always oh, not certified, but he's got five years experience type of conversation?
1: yeah I, and, and you're right it is tricky and i try not to apply a one size fits all because there's always if, if somebody in, in that example there's probably some circumstances as to why they they haven't certified but i think there are i don't know how many certs there are nowadays but there's a lot yeah. but there are there are some of them that are harder to get <coughs> um, and there are some of them that will be held that i held any, uh, anyway to a slightly different standard yeah. uh, if i see somebody's got CPQ or or CTA, obviously, or or even platform developer too. You know, these are not the easiest ones to get. Um, And this is not to to belittle some of the other certs, not by any stretch of the imagination. And and people learn in different ways at different paces. But you know, a couple of them don't really speak to um, experience or or give any sort of insight as to somebody's ability um, to learn and and study or or actually get practical experience because they're you know, they are the entry level certs for want of a, a better expression. And honestly, it sounds like I'm belittling a whole bunch of certs and, and by, um, <laughs> you know, and also the, the people who have them and that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it is much easier to find somebody with an admin cert than it is to find somebody with CPQ. And that's just, that's just the reality. Um, and if someone's been doing the job five years and they don't have the admin cert, I'm probably not that bothered. um, If they've been doing it a year and they have CPQ and PD two, then they've obviously accelerated very quickly. But we've almost gone the other way there. Then I would say, well, okay, have they certified beyond their experience at this point? So it's a it's a fine balancing act because for me, the certification should act as milestones of somebody's experience rather than an aspirational um, reach. Uh, You know, I've studied and I've studied and I've I've done twenty online exams and then I've passed. A cert or pass Service Cloud cert, for instance. Yeah. Okay, but how many how many Service Cloud projects have you actually done? Well, just just one or, or none. Or I'd like to. Then that person's gone the other way. And people approach the certs in a different way. Some of them do use them in an aspirational sense, um, and other people use them as as kind of how I view them, which is in a milestone sense. Okay, well, I've done lots of Service Cloud. I'm going to take the cert. It's going to be a, a capstone on my my Service Cloud experience, uh, rather than you know, as I say, an aspiration on that I'd like to to do
0: more service cloud. I like that. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, cause you, you, I, I guess it's still, it's probably easier to do that if you're working at a partner, forgive me, I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're working at, let's say you're, you're a sales administrator at right, a customer, and they've got mm. what they've got, and it's business as usual, and you think, but I really want to kick on my career and, you know, do CPQ or something. Um, so for those people, you can see it, it's a good idea to do it, but it's probably yeah. easy to work at a Blue Wolf type. So you go, right, well, I've just done this project, CPQ, let's now do a certification
1: yeah and in that way it is it is then a you know a milestone as i say i i think and and i do view everybody differently and as i say it's not a one-size-fits-all by any any stretch because somebody at an end customer might not have the the budget or the or the materials or the people around them to be able to study for a cert and that's why they're looking for a job change that might be some of the reasons that they they actually want to change is they want to gain experience in a certain area um and you know the big partners have you know they'll fund for the certs. when we don't pay for our own certs, um, which which is great. Um, it, it actually changes the, the the thought process again. You know, because you, you could just run a cert over and over again, um, and you know that's up to the to the partners to manage in, internally. It's like, okay. What is the process? How do we make sure people are ready uh, and aren't just taking 10 attempts to pass a cert because it yeah. you know looks good on their CV? Um, but it, yeah. It, somebody at an end customer who's only working in one part of the application um but has done a bunch of trailheads on on other things and maybe has some super badges and and aspires to to develop their skill set more broadly on the platform um you know i'm not ruling those people out in a um, in an interview sense not not at all uh but uh you know you have to take you, you must see this all the time right you try and take the whole the whole person when you're looking at either a CV or you're meeting them in person it's it's not about individual bits it's it's the holistic view of who they are and uh,
0: the journey they've taken to where they are yeah and and um, I, I something we're finding now and I don't know whether you've got some advice on this is that some people try and just do everything they want to be a specialist in all the clouds they want to you know um, mm-hmm. and, and that's fine but do you, would your advice be are we getting to that point where people need to specialize a little bit and pick pick one pathway or, or can you be all things to all men
1: um, so with the salesforce the breadth of the technology as it is right now I don't think you can be one thing at all and I don't think uh, you know anyone should should try to do that um, you would end up with a very broad but very shallow uh, amount of knowledge if you consider you know the different skills that are needed for things like marketing cloud to commerce cloud to health cloud to uh, you know field service lightning um, they are vastly different in, in their architecture, in, in the way that they work. Um, some of those are built on different technologies. Um, you can, you know, have knowledge of them and, and sort of know from an architectural view how they fit into an overall solution. But I think trying to be a, an expert in everything is probably a road to madness. Um, but there are, I think there are 18 clouds now, Salesforce says. Really? Yeah, I, I seem to remember hearing that number. It, it's, a, you know, about that. And a lot of them are on the same platform. So you could say, for instance, you know, Service Cloud, Health Cloud, and Financial Services Cloud, um, or Health Cloud and Financial Services Cloud, they're not the same, but there's a lot of similar concepts applied to them. Service is service, whatever industry you're, you're working <coughs> in. Um, you know, sales is sales. Um, the processes will change, but the underlying principles will remain the same, and you'll be using the Sales Cloud product. So I think it's, it, it's probably possible to specialize in a few, um, but my advice would be don't try and master everything um you're you know we talk nowadays about people having multiple careers in their in their lives and there's no reason why you couldn't have multiple specialities over time on, on the salesforce platform Just see where where your career takes you but uh, i think trying to be an expert in everything uh, at the same time is uh, going to be very
0: difficult yeah that's a uh, good advice i think um so what what would you say has been your most challenging Part of your career in Salesforce to date, whether as a project or something else.
1: Ooh, uh, most challenging. Um, so I, I think working at, at my current employer, I think we get you know the projects are challenging in that they are super complex, um, yeah. not not from what's required, but from the the technical landscape, the amount of people involved, um, the the size of the user base, the multiple uh, vendors that are often uh, in, involved multiple partners delivery partners that are also involved so projects can become very challenging um, just to to kind of organize them and get them moving in the in the right direction um, I'm not a delivery expert uh, in terms of you know being a program manager or a project manager that's that's not my not my strength but mm. even as a um, you know a senior technical architect you're still having to manage multiple stakeholders on, on projects be it vendors partners um, customers of course and speaking with um, speaking with what I call different voices so you know the TA and, and this is the most challenging part of the TA role I, I feel is you have to speak to developers. You have to speak to the functional architect. You have to speak to the customer CIO. You have to speak to uh, you know the test team, uh, the DevOps team, and and possibly the users if you're <laughs> if you're unlucky. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and every one of those requires different voice, a different way of speaking, um, a different set of terminology, a different um, level of depth uh, yeah. in the tenant. And, and, and the delivery and the functional space that you're speaking. And that is the most challenging thing, I think, for, uh, for the modern TA is okay, pitch, pitching themselves uh, in, in the right way to the right audience.
0: I can, I can imagine. Didn't really realise it was that that vast. And of course, you're talking language in terms of just the way the way a developer communicates versus the way uh, a functional person communicates. Not not. Just, I am. Yeah. Not yeah just no, no. Not not just offshore and onshore stuff as well. I would imagine. No.
1: No. No. Absolutely. And and obviously, being English, we're, I'm very lazy about expecting everybody to <laughs> to understand <laughs> English. But no, you're right. It's the you know a developer. Um, you will speak at a different level of technical depth than you will mm. to a test lead or a, a project manager or or even the CIO, where you really elevate. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that's a good one. Um, and um, what what would you say is your sort of favourite thing about Salesforce? About Salesforce, either as a platform or platforms, mm. or or as an ecosystem, or a bit of both. Is there something that particularly makes you proud to be part of it?
1: um yeah a couple of things i mean i love the platform uh, from a technology point of view um and one of the things i like is what a lot of people dislike is that there are limits and it is a platform so you have to be creative and solve within the boundaries of, of what you're given um, mm. it's not a case of just opening a, an ide and having a white page and just writing a program you are always within the context of whatever cloud you're you're working with and i actually enjoy that i think it brings out you know, it really brings out the creativity in, in, in myself and, and hopefully in others as well because you have got these boundaries uh, to work with. Um, I think on the ecosystem, I don't think we've ever seen anything um, like the, the Salesforce Ohana with any other technology, um, sort of the, the passionate way that people are with the, the company and the, and the, the technology. Um, and the willingness, we, we sort of touched on this earlier, that, that people have to help one another, yeah. um, you know, whatever the problem might be. Um, you can If you just Google it, you're going to find pages and pages of people who've either done it before or who have ideas. Um, everyone will have an opinion. Um, on on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever it is that you you discuss it. And and I think that's great um, I, I Personally with my certs I'm always a little bit guarded about asking for help and, and maybe I should be more open because uh, mm-hmm. I, I always get the feeling Someone's gonna say well surely you've d- done that before
0: um, yeah.
1: But you know, there are plenty plenty out there uh, and I think the final thing is about Salesforce as a company is that um, you know, they are a company with uh, with a clear moral compass. I think they, you um, know, ultimately they're responsible to their shareholders and they're looking to turn a profit. And I get that. But I also think that they will put their money where their mouth is sometimes. You see them take um, ethical stands on on, on issues um, right across the board. Um, and, and, you know, Mark is very vocal in, in that regard and the company follows his lead and has always done that. Um, Right down to, you know, on the ground, I, one of the things I used to like the most when I worked there was, you know, that, that we could take the the volunteer days that they issue mm-hmm. to all employees. And, and to be honest, I have these at my current company as well. Accenture does that. Um, but it was new to me at that point. You know, we could take, I think it was six or seven days a year to just to go and you know, do just help people, and sometimes that was digging ditches or putting up fences. Um, sometimes it was helping uh, charities who were running Salesforce just just tweak their org, um, and you know that that kind of thing. But uh, so yeah, you asked me one thing,
0: and I've given you three. One on the product, one That's on the right. company, and one on the one on the ecosystem. Even better, yeah. So and um, uh, the I was going to ask about Accenture. You say that they also do that um, that that model yeah. of Fonse- Did they do that before they were Salesforce partners? I mean, do you know? I don't know my feeling would be they probably did but I honestly I honestly don't know I was just curious to see if it's you know if, if they're influencing those kind of companies I know they influence the ecosystem in terms of partners like you say I think uh, I think Blue Wolf has always done that and uh, a lot of other partners we speak to even small ones so even we do it um, you know and we're just a recruitment company that happens to space, <laughs> like the space. so we, we you know try and do it we've we dug ditches and things um, and and yeah it's nice that 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 filtrates down to the whole you know even the, even the, the little the little companies that are in are in the ecosystem so I think that's brilliant
1: yeah uh, and, I, and I guess one and, and also they take it quite seriously I had a um, an exchange with with, um, the trailhead uh, leadership um, a few months ago, because I was doing a trailhead on um, uh, unconscious bias, and it occurred to me that if this was the only source of education I got around unconscious bias, then Salesforce was in a very powerful position to sort of influence people with a, a way of thinking,
0: mm.
1: and I and I kind of put this out there. I, well, no. My trial of thought then went, well, what if they accidentally got something wrong? Um, and thousands and thousands of people would learn this. And then my, uh, my train of thought went, well, what if they deliberately did something wrong? Uh, and they are in a, an incredible position of power to be able to um, you know, influence people's way of thinking. And I, I just put this out as a train of thought on, on Twitter. And, uh, and they did respond and said, you know, we and, and basically spoke about the process and the guidelines that they have in place around um, when they put out some of the trailheads that aren't about the technology that are about ways of thinking or ways of working or, or ethics or, or whatever it is that they take a massive amount of diligence to, uh, get it right. And that's quite reassuring as well, because as you say, when they, when Salesforce takes a position, a lot of other companies follow, yeah. um, and Salesforce takes that seriously. You know, they do take a, a moral and ethical stand on a lot of issues, um, and and wait for people to to follow. And that's that's doing good. That's you know, we've all seen Mark say it's technology for good, and you know, that's that's a good thing. Right? That is is a positive thing. And I hope that as we move more into data analytics and and AI and and sort of pandora's box that of opportunities and uh, problems that that brings that they continue to to take that ethical stance and and make sure that uh data analysis is done in a in the right way
0: that reflects the future rather than just reflects the past and um do you do you foresee a time where i to bring this up but where Salesforce m- might sell to to a bigger company what do you think? You know, that's and if that if that is something you think might happen, is that something that concerns you? Bearing in mind would, would that kind of side of Salesforce be the first first thing to go, if you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean in,
0: I mean Salesforce could always get
1: purchased. I think the number of as its uh, revenue continues to grow, the number of companies that could afford it were probably getting smaller and smaller, yeah. but but the possibility is there. And you know, I'd seen it before. Um and We'll see it again. I suspect in our lives that a you know a technology company will will grow rapidly out of nowhere and um, Become a market leader in multiple sectors and then and then get to get pulled out. I think it would be foolish to assume it could never happen um, I Yeah, I mean fingers crossed I guess that it remains the the brand that we know um, with the values that we all all understand and recognize uh, if, if it was acquired by anybody
0: Yeah, okay. okay cool. Well, um one last, I'll say one last question, because I appreciate it, it kept you quite quite long. So, uh, it seems to be a common theme. But what, what, what would you say you're most excited about then moving forward in the Salesforce ecosystem for, you know, what, for the next few years? Um, there's a lot, actually, and most of it's around the breadth of technology that
1: they now offer. Um, mm. You know, When I started, there were just a handful of clouds. As I mentioned, now there's, there's perhaps 18. They are continuing to grow through innovation, as they've always done, but also through acquisition. Um, you know, in the last what, two years alone, we've seen Microsoft and, and Tableau and Velocity, yeah. uh, which are you know all massive, massive acquisitions and and change the 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 landscape for, in terms of how we engage with our customers and indeed what customers can expect from from Salesforce as a company. So, I think for me, the most exciting thing would be to hope that those products start to come together in a more integrated integrated fashion. That it's not um, you know you don't need completely different skill sets to use, to use them all and and different partners that, that we start to see a a, a tighter alignment, I guess of, uh, of those clouds. Um, But what excites me is that you never know what's, what's going to come next. You know, what, what products um, going to (laughs) catch, catch Mark's eye in the future and how will that then be incorporated into the the core platform or the core, the core offerings. And, you know, how do we have to adjust to, to learn to that? And that's been my Salesforce career so far, Is it, there's always been the next piece of technology to learn the next product, the next uh, industry or, or customer that's now been targeted. And you know, long may that continue
0: because that keeps us fresh. Absolutely. Well, look, I, I really appreciate your time and, doing, and, and feel free to let me know if, I, if there's a question I haven't asked you that you wanted me to ask, because I, I know we've skipped around a little bit, but was there anything else you wanted to, to go Um, I think the only thing you talked about, or you've talked repeatedly about on your previous uh, podcast
1: was about, you know, advice for people looking to start their career um yes, and, I I get, <laughs> yes, yeah right. no 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 and and we've touched on a lot of a lot of that already i think but just to sort of uh, draw a line under that is you know it's easy to learn the technology so don't hesitate to do that there is trial head and it's easy to spin up an org and just play with the uh, the table technology i would say from that point don't don't say no to opportunities I mean, every industry um has its own flavor, its own best practice, its own ways of working. But any lessons you learn at any customer, at any industry are going to apply elsewhere as well. Um, And that's becoming more and more true um, as customers are driven towards, you know, a digital experience um, that actually, you know, retail, pharma, life sciences, whatever you pick an industry, they are all um, learning lessons from each other today, which hasn't always been the, the case in the past. So don't be afraid to, just say yes to that next opportunity. You're going to learn something from it. Um, you are going to finish that opportunity better informed, better experienced, and probably better certified than, than when you went in. And that's going to do you good in the long term. So don't be fixed to one path. Uh, follow
0: yeah. Follow the opportunities as they come. And um, I'm just adding to this. Don't necessarily always follow the money. Was that would that be a fair thing to add? Because sometimes people just just move for the sake of moving to get pay rises. But sometimes it's nice to get, take the the slightly more exciting opportunity. It, it is.
1: Yeah. And that's,
0: it's an easy thing to say, but people are motivated in different ways.
1: And I, you know, I wouldn't be one to, uh, <laughs> to um, I don't necessarily follow the money, but at the same time, I recognize some people do. And that's, that's what motivates them to go out and learn more about Salesforce and, and take that next opportunity. So I think it's horses, of course, is a, a little bit, but uh, um, if you need to be excited at work, and you need to be stimulated and, and look forward to, uh, to going in, then then yeah, the money's certainly not everything.
0: Yeah, good, that's a good, good way to end. It, actually, um, again, thanks for reminding me of that question because it's probably one of the most obvious one. Somehow, I missed it. Um, but no, it's been it's been brilliant. Thank thank you for taking your time to speak to us. And I I, um, I know I say this a lot, but I know I really mean it. Well, I think maybe we could um, catch up again on one of these in the future to see how things have progressed since this conversation. But uh, um, it's been brilliant. I think anyone that wants to to follow your path will, will probably listen to this over and over again because it's, uh, it's been very 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 informative. And um, are you okay with people? whether they will or not it's up to them but you know <laughs> on LinkedIn or, or where are you most active are you, are you on Twitter or I say yeah, I am yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah I'm very
1: visible I think online I'm not very active on, on Twitter I am there and I will see it if, uh, if mentioned I'm
0: uh, pretty active on LinkedIn cool okay well, yeah I think I'd, I need to read some more of your blogs and stuff but uh, um, it, it, it's, it's been fantastic and thank you for taking the time to speak to us and uh, we'll all look forward to seeing what happens to you in, in the future great thanks for your time as well Lee. cheers thanks andrew cheers mate so my thanks there to andrew for sharing his career story with us uh career so far of course hope you got a lot out of that i think it was um quite an insight into what it's like to to rise through the ranks and become a cta and then also to be on the panel for uh, interviewing um, potential future CTAs as well so all very good, hope you enjoyed it I'll I'll do the usual sharing stuff so if you want to um, find Andrew on LinkedIn or, or wherever else um, he mentions them, then I'll get all the links up for you, so I hope you enjoyed it guys and see you again next time